Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Everyone, I'm uh, really excited because we're talking about a little bit about Revelation today and, and next week. We're looking at the rapture next week. And the book of Revelation has two onlys. It's the only book of the Bible that hasn't happened yet, which is a bit exciting and, and probably means it's very important as well. It's also the only book that contains a blessing for studying it. Let me read that blessing to you. This is from Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, who study it. So I don't know whether you've ever turned up to a church and thought, I wonder if I'm going to be blessed today by the word. Well, today you are, or you're falling asleep. Ladies, just remember the elbow action to, to keep everyone awake there. Just for fun, a while back, I put into a Google search engine, uh, are we there yet? Are we there at the end of days? And I've got a bit of a, a slide that'll come up. And the answer is yes. Everyone seems to be interested in are we there yet, whether you're Christian or you're not Christian or you're some other faith. It would seem that the circumstances surrounding us now has provided um, a bit of an impetus into searching out these things. It seems like ever since Jesus said, this is how you should pray, thy kingdom come, we've thought, okay, where's the kingdom and when is it coming? which is an, a natural response. The thing is we need to go back to Scripture. We need to go back to Scripture in context rather than going to Dr. Google a little bit. So we're going to pull it back into Scripture because some people have... It's a healthy preoccupation looking at end times, but some people can take an unhealthy preoccupation in finding signs everywhere. You know, If you drop your kebab and you see... Look, it is Trump, the Antichrist. No, that's probably an unhealthy preoccupation. I just threw that out there because he's not in power anymore. That's all. What we do need to remember is the focus of Revelation. It's not about a rapture or a tribulation or a mark of the beast or the millennial kingdom. It's about Jesus. And if we think of the Bible, 66 books all talking about the person of Jesus. Old Testament, whole lot of stuff leading towards the coming of the Messiah. Jesus coming to earth for the first time. New Testament, whole lot of stuff looking forward to the return of Jesus. So it's about him. A revelation is about his return. It's about God saying, okay, it's time to get my kids. It's time to bring my creation back into proper relationship with me. Now, if we do look at the end times scripturally, on the next slide, I've got a wonderful list of all the books in the Bible that say something about end times, apocalyptic scripture. And the book of Revelation pulls all of these in. So if you've ever read Revelation and you're not sure about what's going on, or you've read these scriptures and you're not sure, the answer is, that's okay. The primary function of Revelation is to take all the 
isolated scriptures from these books and show us how to suck them together in chronological order so we can see what's happening. Ah, we're now here. Next we'll be here. Now we're looking for this. My brain is really tiny, so I, I sort of think of it this way. This, all the passages in these books are like Lego, and Revelation is like the instruction manual for putting it together. So when I look at this... I think, nice pieces, I've got no idea how to put it all together. When I look at Revelation in isolation, nice manual, but where are the pieces? You've got to bring the two together. And that takes a bit of work, and that's probably why there's a special blessing on this, on this book. So we're going to put a little bit together. First of all, let's see what Jesus has to say about the question, are we there yet? Matthew 24, 3-8. Now at this point, Jesus has denounced the Jewish leadership and given the temple a bit of a, a tire kick with his foot. And we read this. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? Are we there yet? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. And birth pains is probably a really good metaphor to describe what is happening here. Because if you're pregnant, you'll find nothing happens for the first month, the second month, and so on. And then you get up to the ninth month, and all of a sudden, things start to happen in quick succession. And you know when those things start to happen that we're getting towards the end of it all. So a little a bit of a background here. We're currently in the church age. The church age started at the cross of Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. And two millennia, 2,000 years later, to where we are now. That's the church age. Now next week we're going to talk about the rapture. At the end of the church age, the saints, the church, the born-again believers will, will go up. And a little bit later, a seven-year tribulation, great tribulation, great trouble will start. And that's when the Antichrist comes in, when, when Lucifer starts to take control of things, in a sense, on earth for seven years. And God's judgments will come in to give us a little bit of a shake-up and remind us who's in charge and remind us that we have to connect back to him. We won't be there for those seven years for that tribulation. But I'm going to talk about the lead up to it. I'm going to talk about the birth pains. Now, if you look at the book of Revelation and you pull all those scriptures from all those books together, it's clear that nine things must happen before the tribulation starts. Now, some people might on the internet say that we're in the tribulation. I'd say we're not in the tribulation. You'll see why in a moment. And clearly, we'll get a bit of an idea of when, what has to happen before it starts. Number one, and Jesus has already mentioned this, wars coupled with famines and earthquakes. So we've had a world war already. Some would argue that the Second World War was a continuation of the First World War. We've had numerous famines through the years. And if you look at that scale, you'll actually see that the earthquakes have been kicking on for a while too. So we've got war, famine, earthquakes. We can actually tick that box off. Remember, these must happen in chronological order. 
Okay. The second birth pang is the re-establishment of Israel. There's a lot of scripture up here. We don't have time to go through it, but you can get the video and you can go through them in, in time. We'll take a snapshot. The re-establishment of Israel. So it's clear during the seven-year tribulation that there will be a worldwide regathering of the Jewish nation. They've been scattered. They've done one exodus. It wasn't just the one in Egypt. They've been scattered time and time again throughout history. But God will pull them all together. In order for that to happen, in order for the Jewish nation to exist as a nation again, um, they had to be re-established as the nation of Israel. And that happened in 1948, at the end of the Second World War. We can tick that box off. Thirdly, in the tribulation, it speaks of the tribulation temple. This is the third temple. It's not approved of by God. But a new temple for the Jewish people is set up in Jerusalem. Now, if the Israelites are going to set up a new temple in Jerusalem, they must logically have control of Jerusalem. That happened in 1967, after the Six Years' War. We can tick that off. How are we doing so far? Three birth pangs. The remaining six haven't happened yet. Let's have a look at them. Number four. There's a Northern Alliance invasion of Israel. Northern Alliance countries come down, attack Israel, and if you go through the scriptures, you'll see God actually puts a finish to them. He actually says, I will strike the bow from your hand and the arrows from your other hand, and I will leave you on the mountainside of Israel. What this does is it affects the fifth birth pain, which is the one world government. Up until now, we've had an east-west balance, and that's why no one, no one nation has ever had control of the whole world. We've sort of come close a couple of times. You know, we've had the Alexander the Great, we've had the Holy Roman Empire, um, even Napoleon had a, a grasp of a, a fair amount of Europe at one point. But no one in history has ever had control of all the known world, let alone the unknown world. No one's ever had control back then of Australia. We would have given them what for. Come on, Alex, look out. But in this time, the fifth birth pain will be the establishment of a one world government. Some say it could possibly be the, like a UN type situation. Look out for that. Fifth, if you've got a one world government, it's really hard to control a whole planet. So the prophecy in Daniel tells us that it will be divided up into ten kingdoms. So if you want to control the world, get ten people you really trust, cut it up into ten pieces, have regular meetings. Seven, we have the rise of the Antichrist. So as Jesus is to God, this Antichrist is to, to Satan, to the devil, the absolute antithesis of Jesus, of Christ. And the revealing of the identity of the Antichrist will come before the tribulation and after the world has been divided into the ten zones. But he must rise to power before the tribulation because if he's going to take control, he needs to have some sort of political clout. He must be known. The eighth birth pain 
there is a period of peace and false security. And that comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3. Very quickly, it says in verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. In other words, this seven-year tribulation, this seven-year great trial, it's, we're not going to get warning. In fact, we're going to be doing really well before it hits. We'll be relaxed, secure, content, not wearing masks, probably. And that's how we know that the tribulation probably isn't imminent because we have, don't have the security outside of God um, and that sense of peace at the moment. Much of the world doesn't have that. Okay. The event that actually kicks off the tribulation, it's not the rapture. It's not the taking away of the church, of the saints. It's a seven-year covenant. This is a big one to sort of get your head around. The ninth event leading up to and beginning the tribulation will be the signing of the seven-year covenant between Israel and the Antichrist. And I know that sort of hits you hard. Why would Israel sign a covenant with the Antichrist? First of all, he won't go around with a shirt that says Antichrist on it. He'll appear to be very... Um, much uh, a philanthropist, um, very charismatic, very much the concerns of others. And that's probably how he achieves world peace and, and uniting the world together. And people will look to him. This is a scriptural, but I would speculate, because of his role in the third temple, that he offers to build it for them, perhaps. And that's how they manage to sign, they agree to sign a seven-year covenant with him. Obviously, God's not happy about this, and this is why the tribulation is kicked off at the point of the signing of this contract. It's worthwhile me having a bit of a look at this. Daniel 9.27. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Because what do you do if you're a good Israelite and you've got a new temple? Start up the old Levitical sacrificial system. And this is why God's not happy with this third temple, because it's basically saying what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, once and for all, wasn't enough. We've got to go back to the old system. Keep doing it again and again, sacrificing animals. So he'll put an end to that halfway through the seven years, after three and a half years. And at the temple, he will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Basically, the Antichrist will sign a contract, a covenant with Israel. The temple will be established. Halfway through the seven years, he'll say, enough, stop your sacrifices. And the abomination is an image of himself. And that would be abominable to God. He's basically saying, I am now the focus. Look at me. So when we're thinking, or anyone speaks to you about the tribulation... Is it here yet? How close is to it? We've still got a Northern Alliance invasion of Israel to happen. One world government. The one world government being separated into ten kingdoms. The rise of the Antichrist. Period of false security. And a seven-year covenant signed between the Antichrist and Israel. We're not going to miss that, are we? We're not there yet. We're in the end times, but we've been in the end times for about 2,000 years. We will get there. Okay. I wanted to go through that quickly so I could talk about the, the mark of the beast. 
On the next slide, this um, photo was taken last year. It says Texas will not take the mark of the beast, talking about the vaccine. And it's not scriptural, so I want to unpack it clearly for us today, because I know there's some people um, in our area who are a bit concerned about the vaccine and the implications. Either it's got the mark of the beast inside it, they've, um, they've snuck it in there, or that it's going to change our DNA so that we can't connect with, with God. We've seen it before. If you're around when the credit cards came in, a few people said, ah, oh, it's the mark of the beast. And then we went through the horrors of barcoding and there were pictures of people with barcodes on their head, mark of the beast. And then Mrs. McGillicuddy went down to her vet and her cat, Triddles, um, received a microchip. And we thought, oh, that's it. So we've been through this before. So it's okay. Stay relaxed. Let's go back through scripture and have a look at it. First of all, on the mark, Revelation 13, 16 to 18. Speaking of the beast, and this is midway through the tribulation, when the sacrifices in the temple have been stopped, it forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Let's pause there for a moment. So if, if you've seen the COVID vaccines, people getting around with the, um, on telly with the Band-Aid there, this is a clever mark of the beast because it's going to go right down there, straight up my jugular, pop out on my forehead. So few, it's in the wrong location. Maybe it can move, I'm not sure, but... We can cross that off. They can't buy or sell. This is basically your passport to all business. And that's all it is. And you're either going to have the name of the beast or the number of its name. So we've all got the same names. It's not a bank account. It's not a financial system. Otherwise, we've all got the same bank account. Hurrah, who wants to make the first withdrawal? So it's not a banking system. Let's follow on. Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast. Love it when God tells you to do maths. Ha ha, I'm a math teacher. <laughs> calculate, if you have wisdom, calculate the number of the beast. For the, It's the number of a man and the number is 666. Where does that come from? Well, the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters and each letter has a numerical value. So the Antichrist's name will come out to be 666. There will be a lot of other people whose name also comes out to be 666. But we know the behaviour of the Antichrist, that he's going to sign this covenant, that he's rising to power, that he has the potential to lead the world. So it'll be quite obvious who to run the checks by. How would you run a check? You go to Google. This is the only time I'll tell you to go to Google. But you should still check it out. So this is, um, this is from Angel Fire. Where would you find a Hebrew calculator on the internet? I put in my own name. I came up as 402. You can see the, the numerical values for the letters. There's obviously some translation issues between Hebrew and English, and I think all 26 letters are up there. I don't quite understand that. But I'm 402, so it's not me. I, I wasn't worried though. Every now and again you have those thoughts. but um. Of course, you're, you're thinking to yourself, who would be silly enough 
to want to do something like this. Let's go to the next slide. Well, these people would. And this is probably the closest idea I can get to what the mark of the beast will be like. It's a badge of honour. It's a mark of citizenship. So yeah, out there in Berlin, and these obviously young people that have been led astray, so we won't be too hard on them. Hey, there's the, there's the flag, there's the old swastika. Would you like that on your forehead? Yeah, let's put it on there. As big as you can get it. And there we have the, um, someone who might take the, the mark on the uh, left side with the number or the name. And there'll be people out there, maybe you get a choice. Do you want the number or the name? I want both. Do you want it on your forehead or your right hand? Both. Just did a large font, Times New Roman. Many of them will be quite excited about getting it. Others won't. And this is what will happen as a result of that. Revelation 14, 9 to 10. In God's uttermost mercy, at the end of time, he will send three angels out. After many of the judgments in the tribulation to rattle our cages, to remind us that he's in charge and to connect with Jesus, he'll get three angels to go out and just spread the gospel. Shout it from the sky so that no one on the earth can miss out. This is about the third angel in verse 9. The third angel followed and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury that has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels at barbecues galore for a very long time. And this is what's really rattling people. If this is the mark of the beast, what am I going to do? Get the injection. I didn't know. Now I'm basically, this is the point of no return because it's a choice here. Do you want to worship the beast or do you want to worship God? Last chance. But notice there's two parts to it worshiping the beast and receiving the mark. Now, just in case you think I'm being sort of new age, this is an illumination back from the, the 13th century. And we have John who wrote Revelation, he's over on the left side looking into the framework. On the left side you see Station 1. Station 1, you worship the beast. Notice the fellow in the green, he's not getting with the program, he's about to be cut down. And then on the right side, that's Station 2. Once you've worshipped the beast, you then come over here and you have the mark attached to your forehead or your right hand. So even back then, 800 years, they understood the process. It's twofold. Worship the beast, receive the mark. So if I'm worried about getting the AstraZeneca, I've simply got to think to myself, okay, the injection's today. Have I had an angel scream at me from the heavens today not to take the AstraZeneca? No, I haven't. Have I worshipped a beast this morning? No, I don't think I have. I'm probably safe. Plus, they're going to put it in my arm. Worship is about, it's a heart transaction. It's about connecting, connecting with God or connecting with the other side. And no mark can make you lose your salvation. Wearing a cross won't give you your salvation. Coming to church won't make you a Christian and going to McDonald's won't make you a hamburger. But accepting Christ into your heart will connect you with God. It's about 
in these times when we're wearing masks and we're doing all sorts of funny things, remembering who is in charge. And as I said, the Bible is about Jesus. First time he came, second time he comes. That he is sovereign. The book of John tells us that he, he created the world, everything. Everything is under his feet. So I want to leave you with a bit of a vision of Christ. He's the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of Judah. So let's just hear a little bit of a roar here. This is John's vision of Christ in first Revelation, starting at verse 12. Maybe even close your eyes, just let this wash over you. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw golden lampstands, seven. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys of death and Hades. No devil, no disease, no vaccine. Jesus is the holder of the keys. Let's remember who he is during this time. And remember that Jesus himself is the vaccine for this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing that flows, as you promised, from the book of Revelation. May everyone be blessed here that hears your words and takes them to heart. And yes, during this time, we remember that you are sovereign, you are in control, and that you are the vaccine for eternal life for our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.